0: Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy Podcast. My name is Shelo Konoshiro, and this is episode 31, Creating Adventures. Hey guys, this episode is one that I've been wanting to do for a while, and it's going to be really, really packed, so get ready. This, this may be longer than most of the other ones I've done, um, but it's because there's a lot of juicy stuff in here that I want to uh, talk to you guys about, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, what I want to do is help out dungeon masters when it comes to an important and integral part of running a and d campaign, right? And that's adventures. So I'll go over what your adventure should include, how to plan it out, how to execute it, tips and tricks on the whole process, all that kind of stuff. Um, once again, it's going be, gonna to be a lot of stuff, going to be a lot of information, but hopefully it's going to be really helpful for you guys uh, and really guys get you started um, as DMs. So I, I can't wait to get started, um, but real quick, uh, if, if you want to keep up, with updates and have a say on, on on the podcast and and all the other stuff we're doing here at d20 academy you can go ahead and follow us on instagram at d20 underscore academy um and also um there's d20 council tomorrow uh, tomorrow uh wednesday november 25th at two o'clock p.m hawaiian standard time um there's d20 council which is an instagram live event that i do um where i can connect with you guys review over the episodes um, ask you guys questions, you guys can ask me questions, and just kind of, you guys can give your opinions on what you think future episodes should be, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can even, I'm even gonna, uh, talk about some c- exclusive things going on in D20 Academy outside of the podcast, these other projects I'm working on. Uh, it's just stuff I'm really excited about, and I really can't wait to connect with you guys, so, um, if you can make it 2pm Wine Standard Time, uh, tomorrow, uh, November 25th, it's gonna be our second D20 Council. Okay, so... All that out of the way, let's dive right into this episode. Okay, real quick, I want to just kind of give a summary of adventures, what they are in D&D, and all that kind of stuff. So, adventures are what makes up the body of a campaign. They are the smaller stories within the larger one, right? The the trials, tribulations, failures, and victories, the party encounters as they make their way from first-level nobodies to 20th-level champions. Each campaign can have anywhere from like 5 to 50 adventures within it, um, though most typically have around 10 to 20. Um, Just like the campaign, these adventures have a beginning, middle, and end, and usually are tied to the campaign's main plot arc, or BBEG, the big bad evil guy, kind of the main antagonist. Now, a lot goes into building an adventure, right? The hook, the story, the NPCs, the encounters, the finale, the reward, all that kind of stuff. And depending on the length of the adventure, um, they can take dungeon masters a while to fully construct, but there is something very rewarding about successfully running an adventure of your own design and experiencing the party go through it and encounter all of the pieces you put into place. Creating a single adventure, much less a whole campaign, is a daunting task. It takes lots of work, time, and energy, but trust me when I say it is one of the most fun, creative, and fulfilling things to do as a dungeon master. So let's get right into making adventures the best they can be, okay? Start with the key components, right? All adventures are made up of some of the same key components, um, though these components can take many different forms. These are kind of the bread and butter of your adventure, the basics you want to figure out before diving deep into, like, NPC and encounter building and all the details and stuff like that. The first is a concept, right? Most likely the adventure stems from something else. Maybe a certain plot point that's already set in place and something you want to explore further. Maybe it's a cool idea you had while on the bus. the concept for the adventure is just the basic barebone information about it. something you want to make, something you want to create. Maybe you really like beholders and you want to build an adventure around them. Maybe something in a PC's backstory sounded interesting and you want to build an adventure around that. That's fine. Um, but all adventures start with a concept. Uh, Maybe it's tied to something that's already been been set up in the campaign like like a backstory or a minor villain or another character. Uh, Maybe it's something that has yet to be introduced to the campaign, but it's just something you really want to make and something you're excited to kind of implement. All those kind of things can lead to a whole adventure. Um, So, first thing you're going to need is a concept. Alright, now after that is the goal. This is by far the most important piece of an adventure and is literally the cornerstone for everything else. All other aspects of the game stem from this single component. What is the party's goal? Why are they going on this adventure, right? Is it to save someone, defeat someone, obtain something, destroy something, gather information, hide from someone? Maybe it's just to make some money, right? Maybe it's just to get paid, whatever it is. There needs to be a clear goal. Okay, now now the party's goal and purpose is vital and should be one of the first things they learn when the adventure is presented before them. Sometimes they are literally offered the quest by a patron. Maybe it's something they want to complete on their own, something they want to complete by themselves that wasn't really offered to them by an NPC or anything. Whatever it is, whatever this adventure is, there has to be a goal, a purpose, the reason for the party to go on the adventure, okay? The adventure stakes, right, what's on the line if the party succeeds or fails, is also based around the goal of the adventure, right? What's at risk? Who are the stakeholders? Who does this, who does this affect, right? The, uh, the, the, the stakes of the, the, the story, the stakes of the adventure are all built around this goal. Uh, everything really is built around this goal. So that's like one of the first things you want to figure out. Maybe you already know this goal from your concept. Uh, maybe you don't know, know the goal yet after you just have a concept. But you want to figure this out as soon as possible because everything else is dependent on this goal. Okay, everything revolves around knowing the goal of the adventure, the purpose of the adventure, the purpose of this small storyline. That's that's what the goal is, and you want to figure that out as early on as possible so you can detail all the things around that, right? Is it defeat the Goblin King? Is it steal the King's Crown? Is it get information on the assassin? Is it hide from the bad guy, whatever it is. Just there. Um, make sure there, there's some kind of goal, all right? Make sure there's some kind of goal within the uh, the adventure, so it, so it has a purpose, okay? So after you figure out the goal, you want to figure out the narrative purpose. What is the point of this adventure in the larger narrative, right? Does it advance the main plot in any way? Uh, not all adventures have to be tied completely to the main campaign plot arc or tied to the BBEG, but it's good to tie in most to keep the players invested in the main story. Most adventures have to do with solving a problem in the bigger narrative, right? Uh, dealing with a minor villain, retrieving an item integral to their plan, finding an NPC important to the story, etc. These are all adventures that your party may go on that are all tied back into the main campaign and the main story. Like I said, not all adventures do have to be tied to the main narrative and the main campaign. They don't all have to have a purpose and point in the larger scope of the story. However, most of them probably should definitely when it gets to kind of the second half of the campaign, when the party reaches around like 10th level, um, the BBG and their plots and their schemes and, and the main storyline should really be picking up around then. And so most of the adventures should start being revolved around that main plot, that that, that main plot line and that main storyline. Earlier on, when your when your group is is more in the earlier levels and they're just kind of being a mercenary group, just taking various jobs or whatever, that's fine. They don't all need to be connected or be connected to the main storyline. Um, but it's good um, to 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 keep your players invested in the story and interested in the story, and, and have recurring NPCs and have a clear antagonist and all that stuff. Um, if all if most of the adventures are tied to to the main campaign, the main storyline, um, that's that's helpful. But once again, depending on the concept, depending on what you want to run. Um, they don't all have to be. But if, if, if it does have a purpose in the narrative, you want to figure that out here. Okay, next, you want to figure out the tone and the flavor. What does your adventure feel like? Is it light, swashbuckling fun? Intense, gritty survival? Dark, mysterious horror? Is it a mix of a few of those? Not all adventures need to have an intensely defined tone or flavor, but I think it is good to recognize and establish a tone or flavor to keep the adventure thematically consistent, right? Um, also, make sure this matches up with the feel of your campaign and playgroup, right? M- mostly, when you, when you when you start your campaign, you probably kind of set down a tone or a mood of the campaign's focus and and genre and theme, right? <clears throat> maybe your campaign is very political intrigue based, uh, or maybe it's it's revolving around a war. Um, maybe it's horror based. So your campaign typically already has kind of a, a feel and a, and a tone, and make sure that this adventure's tone and flavor don't uh, vary too much from that so that the the campaign keeps thematically consistent um, But it's also good to have various different kinds of adventures within your campaign things that cater to to various genres or, or mixtures of, of genres um, Because you want to be able to, to to present your party um, With 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 various different kinds of adventures with the, that feel different and feel distinct and feel fresh and new um, to you know keep keep them interested? And, and also, most likely, your playgroup is made up of different people who all kind of have different interests and, and like to get different things out of the game and like different aspects of the game. And being able to kind of fulfill each of these people's interests and stuff with these different kinds of adventures and, and them all feeling a little different, having a little different tone or flavor um, can help fulfill that. So after figuring out your concept and the goal and now that you've kind of figured out the skeleton of your adventure, figuring out the tone and kind of what it feels like um, can also be important, and you want to keep that in the back of your mind while you design the rest of the adventure, right? Typically, it may not be a super easily defined tone or flavor, like super obvious mystery horror or anything like that. Um, but you, you want to make sure that, you know, after kind of figuring out the, basis, the, the basics of the, of the adventure and, and, and the concept and the goal... Uh, you may be like, okay, it kind of seems to feel like this kind of adventure, this kind of tone or flavor. And so keep that in mind so the rest of the 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 pieces within the adventure that you're building can mirror that and match that and, and keep the adventure tonally consistent, okay? The final thing you want to figure out is the length, right? How long is your adventure going to take? One session? Four? For new dungeon masters, this may be a little difficult to estimate, um, But I I think it's still pretty easy to to have a general idea of how long it will take for the party to make their way through this adventure. Now, of course, anything can happen during the creation process or the playing of the adventure, which may increase or decrease the length, but those are circumstances that are mostly out of your control, okay? So just figure out, it's just easy for me when I'm building adventures to kind of figure out a basic concept of the length of each of these adventures. The the typical adventure takes about two to five sessions, right? Eight to 20 hours uh, usually is the typical length of an adventure. But, you know, while you're building it, you may start going on this spree of creative ideas and concepts and you can really build out and create a really long adventure. Um, Sometimes when you're playing it, the players will do things that you didn't expect um, and it will maybe make the adventure shorter or longer, whatever it is. Um, Remember, these things are kind of out of your control. What is in your control is... Kind of, you know, you're thinking about this adventure. You, 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 you know the concept. You know the goal. You know the tone and flavor. How long do you think this will take? And and that should help you within your planning and how much time you should spend planning this. How much time you should be preparing to plan something after this, right? If, if this, if if you generalize this adventure is only going to take about two sessions, you should probably start planning already what's going to happen afterwards. because you're not going to have a lot of time because this adventure is going to take a quick, quick, quick to complete. You also don't want to spend so much time on this adventure because it won't take a ton of, ton of game time. Um, obviously, if you're someone who, who has the luxury of, of lots of time and, and, and planning time, that's great. Um, and, you, and you can totally, you know, plan to your heart's con- uh, content and, and all that. But for most Dungeon Masters, right, we don't, we, ha- we have limited schedules. We don't have a ton of time to plan every week. And it's it's good to be able to understand the length of the different adventures, so so we can uh, maximize our planning time and figure all that stuff out as well. Okay, so those are kind of the kind of the key components of the um, of 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 the adventure. And now let's get into some of the elements, right? So, so you have your adventure down, the basics of the adventure down, right? Um, the the key components required to base everything else off of. All right, now it's time I kind of want to dive into the various elements included in an adventure to keep it fun, interesting, incredible, all that kind of stuff, okay? So let's start with the threat, right? Every adventure needs a threat and a worthy one at that, something that challenges the party and adds tension to the story. It might be a single antagonist. It might be a group of villains. It might be an organization. It, or it could also be something more intangible, like time, fate, or hatred, something like that. But there does need to be a threat within the adventure, right? Something that pressures the party. Something that is an antagonizing force on the party. Um, you know, adventures and stories are built upon conflict, and, and conflict requires the protagonist, right? The party, the players, um, to, to to butt heads with the antagonist, the villainous force. And that is a threat, the thing, you know, threatening the the, the story, the adventure. If the adventure is to rid uh this this region of orcs to protect the innocent villagers living in this region the threat is the orcs right um if it's to go obtain a a magical item from a dragon's horde um the threat is the dragon guarding the 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 the, the item the weapon whatever it is right so you need to make sure every adventure has a threat and, and and a worthy threat right not one that's super weak and not at all threatening to the players and not one that is so powerful and so strong it's so daunting the players won't even take on the mission it needs to be something that is worthy of the player's attention and and is challenging to them but not 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 too too below or too over um the the party's level okay the party's power level and and all that kind of thing so you you need a threat right this is one of the most fun things to design in in an adventure right designing the villain or whatever it is um, and, and so, make sure you understand that every adventure needs a threat, and, and it needs to be a worthy threat, okay? It needs to be something credible. Alright, I want to talk about stereotypes and originality real quick. Um, as you probably know, there are many, many tropes in fantasy, and definitely Dungeons & Dragons, right? Evil dragons, crazy wizards, captured maidens, and of course, meeting in a tavern, Right? These familiar tropes are great, actually, for grounding your players and allowing them to easily understand the basics of your adventure, right? Uh, when, when people have familiar things they can grasp onto, it can easier, uh, more easily kind of ground them and help them better contextualize and understand the world around them, or in this case, the adventure. Right, so so if you have certain aspects of a stereotype or trope within the adventure, that's something the players and their in their minds can grasp onto as something familiar and help ground them as they look at the rest of the adventure. Right, so so I uh, I know there's kind of a conversation within within D and D and just kind of the fantasy genre in general about like fantasy tropes and stereotypes and and whether or not they're good. Um, in my opinion, I think they are useful tools. Uh, think of them as useful tools you can use to help the players out in understanding and contextualizing the adventure. On the other hand, using your own original fresh ideas and twists can really make your adventure memorable and unique, okay? And a mix of both of these can lead to a fantastic adventure, right? Uh, uh, most likely, from, from the concept of your adventure or, or something, um, you already have your own kind of original fresh take. Right, you already have something that you're interested in, that you want to build around. That uh, most likely, kind of, it was inspired by something or came from your own ideas, your own creativity, um, and you know, you know, a unique concept, villain, or, or character, or um, you know, kind of storyline, whatever it is that that you want to build this adventure around, um, and this this kind of original, fresh thing. Uh, it's probably really cool, and it's probably gonna excite your players and make for a memorable adventure and all of that. But you also want to make sure you have stereotypes and tropes um, to 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 kind of ground them. Um, this is not always needed, and, and this this mixture doesn't need to be completely balanced. Um, but it is something to just think about. Um, maybe you're basing your adventure off of off of a trope or a stereotype, right? That's that's completely fine. Don't don't ever think that that's not as credible at all. That adventure can still be just as fun and memorable. But you might may want to think about how you can put your own creative flavor and twist on things, um, you know, beyond the trope, and that can actually lead to some really cool surprises and moments in, in the adventure, where your players, uh, you know, think they understand what's going on and that they they can foresee what's going on because of the tropey stereotypical nature of it, and then you put your own twist and original flair on it, and it can really lead to something memorable and cool. So depending on where you start, um, I, I just think it, it it should be noted that the balance between stereotypes and originality can really, really help uh, uh, enhance an adventure. And, and the mixture of, two, of, of both of these can really lead to a fantastic adventure. Um, I think these are both uh, very valuable tools that, that you can use to, to, to enhance your adventure, okay? After that, I want to talk about exposition and the present, right? As you know, exposition is good. Required, actually, for the adventure to make sense to your players. Looking into the past and events that have already come to pass that set up your adventure are useful, right? Um, however, you need to understand, your adventure is not taking place in the past, it's taking place in the present. Okay, I, I understand, exposition is required to get your story moving, and I know you creative world builder types love to get detailed and in depth with your histories and stuff, and that's fine. But you have to remember to keep the adventure focused on the present. Get the required info out and then get into the action. If you don't need to release exposition up front, then take your time and drip it in throughout the rest of the adventure. Massive exposition dumps up front are really no fun for anyone but maybe you. Okay? Now listen, I understand. I'm a writer. I'm a world builder. Um, I-, I love creating stories and histories and all that kind of stuff. I really, I really do like that a lot. And a lot of the time I can get carried away in all these backstories and details of characters and events and all this, all this kind of stuff, um, but the players don't always need all of that, at least at least not up front. It's okay for you to be proud of, 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 these, of these stories that you've created and these characters that you've created that, that flesh out your world, and you want to be able to show these off to your players, and that's completely fine. But you don't need to do it all up front, okay? I understand exposition is required, really, for, for the adventure to begin, you know? If, if the adventure is, oh, hey, I need you to go, I'm just going to keep using this example, if you're going to go, I need you to require uh, acquire this legendary weapon from this dragon's horde, um, the, the person offering this quest may, you know, is probably going to need to give you some exposition, give the player some exposition on, on what's going on, what is this weapon, uh, where did it come from, kind of about this dragon, about the region where it lives, some kind of information they need to know to get started, Right exposition is, is, is usually required to get the story moving and and also to is a way to get your players hooked, um, which I'll talk about later on in this episode. but understand just get out the, the basic information, the exposition the party needs and then get them started. okay? your, your adventure, your, your story is focused on the present. The players need to feel like uh, you understand and you recognize and care about what's happening now and what their players are doing, what their characters are doing, and the choices they make are impactful to the story. And if they're not feeling that because you seem all focused in the past and on the history that you've built and on the world you've built, it's not going to be a lot of fun for them, okay? Also, just dumping tons of exposition at the beginning of adventure can be a little daunting and hard for them to remember and just really not be a, a ton of fun, okay? Players... They, they probably they, they, they probably love some exposition they probably love the world that you've built and they like the NPCs and all that kind of stuff all right but they also want to get into the action they want to start making their own choices doing their own things and getting into that adventure okay so so understand that you have all this stuff and that's cool an exposition is awesome but you can drip it if you can drip it in throughout the adventure right so they can learn new stuff every session uh, and they don't need all that stuff up front even even if it's really cool and really awesome and you spent hours working on it okay this this game is 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 about having fun for everyone okay not just yourself um of course this doesn't mean you should count out your own fun right um you should be totally feel free to show off the world that you've built and stuff to your players there's there's nothing wrong with that you, you've spent hours on it you've spent work on it you should be proud of that However, your players need to also have get get the fun out of the game in playing through these adventures that you've created, and and solving these mysteries that you've created. So, don't give them that massive exposition dump up front. Okay, all right. Let's talk about combat, role playing, and exploration. All right, these are the three pillars of Dungeons and Dragons. Kind of the three different aspects of the game, um, and uh, I think they they, they kind of go into it in the Dungeon Master's Guide, maybe even the Player's Handbook. Um, But uh, there needs to be a balance between the three of these in a campaign and, of course, in adventure, right? So combat role-playing and exploration, right? What's the difference? Well, combat um, is actually kind of a blanket term, just kind of um, combat or, like, exciting action-packed scenes. It doesn't necessarily mean you're standing off against monsters and fighting and killing them. It could also be, like, a chase or or something like that. But combat as in, um, and this is just the most common example of it, just kind of an action-packed, exciting, um, heart-pounding adventure. Uh, I mean, I mean, scenes, excuse me. Um, that's what combat is, right? Now, typically, this involves fighting, um, casting spells, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's combat. The next pillar is role-playing, right? Taking on the role of your character and interacting with the world, interacting with the other characters, whether they're NPCs or PCs. All that kind of stuff, right? Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game. So you want to make sure you don't count out role-playing in your game. Uh, You know, you want your players to be getting into character, interacting with each other, interacting with the world, your NPCs. That's all role-playing. And after that is exploration, right? This this, this pillar is, um, kind of, pretty fundamental and, and pretty integral to Dungeons and & Dragons. And that is the, the party going through the adventures and exploring things, right? Traveling to new lands and uh, going underground and discovering crypts and, and exploring mountains and valleys and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what exploration is. Um, and these three pillars of play um, make up uh, the story, make up Dungeons & Dragons, make up gameplay. Um, and you want to be able to have a balance of these within your game okay? You're gonna want um, the exploration, right? You're gonna want the players traveling around your world and exploring things and experiencing the towns and the villages and the mountains and all that kind of stuff. You're also gonna want role-playing. You want them to get into their characters and delve into their stories and their character arcs, interact with the NPCs, interact with the king and the antagonist and the peasants, whatever it is. And then, of course, you need those moments of action and excitement where they face off against monsters and defeat the villain or, or escape the crumbling building, all that kind of stuff, right? These three pillars make up the gameplay of Dungeons and & Dragons, and you want a balance of all three for a successful campaign and definitely a successful adventure, okay? But how exactly do you make this balance and all that kind of stuff? Well, one thing is to base it off of the party and the players, right? Are the majority of your players hack and slash people who love chucking dice? Are they deep creative people who love getting into character and acting? Um, also, get cues from the kind of characters they've made. Someone who's playing a rogue probably likes stealth, Assassin's Creed-esque gameplay. Someone playing a bard may like fun, intrigue-based role-playing encounters, stuff like that. Right? So, basing this balance off of the 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 party and and the players, right? The gaming group. Um, is always a good option, always a good thing to, to do, um, because if you're going to have a very combat-heavy campaign, and no one at the table really enjoys combat a ton, they, they mostly enjoy exploration and role-playing, then not a lot of people are going to be having fun all the time. Um, but, you know, if, if you have a lot of people at the table, and, and they really love role-playing and getting into character, and then one or two of the people um, just prefer... Chucking dice, killing monsters—that's where they get their excitement. Then you have the majority of those two over the exploration aspect, right? And of course, you don't want to ever want to credit out yourself in this equation, right? Think of yourself. What do you like? Which of those three pillars do you like the best? Combat, role-playing, exploration. You want to be able to have fun as well, and you want to—you're the one who's building the adventures and building the story and building things around uh, a concept in an area of the game which you you don't really enjoy a ton. Um, is not a lot of fun for you as well, okay? So take everyone in the gaming group into account when figuring out the balance between combat, role-playing, and exploration, right? A good adventure has a balance of all three of these and also makes compromises so that everyone at the table has fun and enjoys themselves, okay? The final note I want to make is on borrowing, okay? Borrow from things you love. Books, movies, comics, video games, etc., Maybe it's a monster, a character, an item, a storyline, whatever it is. I cannot stress this enough. This is something a lot of Dungeon Masters discount, and definitely new, new DMs uh, feel pressured to completely abandon, but this is very, very important for being Dungeon Master and is something that can lead to just amazing moments and fun moments in your campaign. Um, you don't need to feel uh, the need to be totally original, okay? Okay. If there's something you like and enjoy, there's a good chance that thing is well-made because you like and enjoy it, and most likely other people like and enjoy it, and that further establishes the fact that that thing is probably well-made and well-done. If it's an aspect that's well-made and well-done, then it's probably going to be good in your own story and in your own campaign, in your own adventure, so use it, okay? Borrow. Borrow from, from the stories you consume, right? Um, there's tons of other storytellers out there who are having their own creative ideas and have worked on these things, and you are, you know, you most likely recognize those. And you're like, wow, that's, that aspect is really cool, I really like that character idea, I really like that item that they detailed, I really like that world they've built, right? Steal from it, borrow from it, integrate it into your own campaign. It doesn't matter, right? Nobody's watching you, it's just you and your friends at the table. Nobody cares if you if you stole a character concept or a character name from a book. Or, or, or you know, in, in an item from a movie. It doesn't matter. If you, if you love it and you like it and you think it would go well in your campaign, then then use it, right? Obviously, you don't want to, you know, make make sure you translate it so that it fits thematically uh, story-wise, you know, in, in, in into your campaign and into your adventure. You don't want to take a, if you're like, oh, I really like the laser guns in Star Wars, and then and you, and you put a laser gun in your D&D campaign. Like, that doesn't really make sense. doesn't really fit there. But, you know. Don't be afraid to borrow and take things that you like and put them into your campaign, okay? Okay, we've talked about the different pieces of an adventure, the different elements and components and all that kind of stuff with an adventure, and now I want to talk about the structure of it, okay? So adventures like campaigns follow the typical story structure, right? A beginning, a middle, and an end, okay? But uh, what, what exactly does that mean for an adventure? And definitely in the the concept of of Dungeons and Dragons and a tabletop role playing game, right? Well, the beginning, right? That has the hook and exposition, right? Something it should be exciting and clear. It should get the party involved and the players excited, right? Something that starts the adventure off, that gets the the, the party involved, gets the players like, ooh, I, I, this this seems cool. I can't wait to continue on this adventure. Let let's go explore these these things. That's what the beginning is, right? The middle is the body of the adventure, the trials and tribulations the party progresses through to reach their goal, right? Remember what I said about the goal. The goal is the most important thing about your, your, uh, your adventure, right? And this goal is set down clearly and obviously in the beginning uh, uh, f- for the players, and in the middle, they are progressing through this adventure to reach that goal. Okay, now, then we come to the end, right? This is the climax and the resolution. It's the final confrontation and then the result of the party success or failure, right? Um, and then this is them completing their goal or failing to complete the goal, right? So so the goal kind of ties these three pieces of, of the story structure together, right? The beginning, the middle, and the end, all that. Um, also, in the end, there might be some possible new story hooks, right? Things that might lead to a- another adventure, right? Um now, this is pretty basic, right? This, this, this concept of beginning, middle, and end, also, this is what all good stories have, right? And what your adventure has as well. Um, but understand that this story structure works differently in other mediums compared to D&D. Um, see, the way Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games in general work and function is just at a different pace and feel than most other stories. Right, this is a collaborative storytelling experience. Right, more than one person are telling the story as they're going, and also they are telling it in the moment. This is not something they have planned out previously, um, or or anything like that. Right, I mean, obviously the dungeon master has planned out the adventure and like the different story beats and, and characters and all that kind of thing, but the you know they are telling the story. They're writing it per se. Um, in the moment, right? They're improvising, uh, in the moment and telling the story, uh, like that. And there's also, of course, the, the structure of the story with rules and dice and, and restrictions, right? To, to, to make sure that there's tension and stakes and all that kind of thing. Um, the players have agency, right? They can make their own choices, their own decisions that affect the story. Um, all of these aspects that are not in most other storytelling mediums, like books and movies and TV shows and video games, kind of uh, separate Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games in general um, when it comes to story structure. The gameplay or, or the telling of the story is just much more drawn out. The pacing is slower. Um, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a movie, you can just have the protagonist walk into a room and the camera pans up, and you see everything in the room, right? Two seconds. You, you've seen everything. You understand what's going on in that room. In D&D, when the protagonist, right, the party, they enter into a room. The Dungeon Master has to explain what they see, what they hear, what they smell, what's going on around them. Then, you know, poses the question to the players. Hey, you come into this room. Okay, what do you do? the players may discuss for a second uh they might go off and do different things one of them might go over to a table one of them might go over to open up a chest whatever it is and then the dm has to explain what each of these actions is what happens as a result of the actions maybe they have to make rolls all this kind of stuff prolongs the game and draws out the pacing right this is not a bad thing this is required for dungeons and dragons to function as a game and for there to be tension and stakes and and all that kind of thing but understand because of this, the story is, is just told in a little different pace, in a little different way than most other storytelling mediums, right? In a movie, the whole script is already planned out. The characters do what's in the script, right? Um, the, everything just just follows the, this, this storyline, focuses on this, and the camera follows them, and the people can just sit back and watch the movie and experience a story like that. In Dungeons & Dragons... The people experiencing the story are the people who are actively participating in it and are also helping to tell the story, right? Um, and there are these restrictions that most of it's theater of the mind, right? Um, it's not right in front of you on a screen, it's all in your head and your imagination. Um, also, you need to be able to like be making roles to see if you succeed or fail on certain tasks. And all that kind of thing um, just, just makes it so that storytelling within Dungeons and Dragons is a little bit different. Than, than, than other stories, so so you have to understand that as well. Um, wh- the story the story structure itself is similar, um, but it just it moves at a different pace and, and feels different than a regular uh, uh you know regular story that you would consume. Um, and this is awesome. This is one thing that I love about Dungeons and Dragons. This aspect of it um, that the, that the, that the players have agency and that they're telling the story together in the moment. Um, impro- improvising, Um, you know, the, there's these rules and restrictions on what they can do and what their characters can do, and they have to be creative, and, and dice and fate dictate if they succeed or fail, all that kind of stuff. I really like it. It makes for a very unique storytelling experience, right? Um, something that is, is unlike all these other, uh, you know, forms of storytelling, right? Film and, and, and books and all that kind of thing. Um, but just, just understand that, um, definitely going back to the thing I, I just talked about, about borrowing, right? If you want to be borrowing kind of a similar storyline or similar plot points, um, of a story you consumed that you really like, um, understand that it may not work the same, uh, in Dungeons & Dragons. If you take this story concept or, or this, these story beats that you really liked in a movie, um, and want to put that into your own story and, and put those into an adventure within, um, your D&D campaign, it just, understand it will work differently, and feel differently, it may not go exactly how it went in the movie, just because of all these different aspects that separates Dungeons and Dragons apart, but don't let that take you down, okay, that's something that's awesome, that's one of the things that is super unique about D&D, and makes it really cool, okay, so, you understand the, the, the basic story structure, the beginning, the middle, and end, what, what should happen in all of these, and, and the goal, right, the goal that connects all of them, I want to talk about real quick something called the Five Room Dungeon. Okay, this is a pretty popular concept uh, in D&D and, like, just tabletop role-playing games in general. Um, And it's kind of like a, a, an example basis for a an adventure, how an adventure progresses. Okay, now, myself, I have only actually just recently discovered the Five Room Dungeon, and I've not really used it. A lot in, in, in my own experience and in my own games. So most of what I'm about to explain here is just from what I've seen online and, and from articles and videos. Um, not a lot from my own personal experience, I haven't really used the Five Room Dungeon yet in my own campaign stories just because I discovered this recently. But it goes like this, the Five Room Dungeon um, is basically the middle and end, okay? the The beginning is a very short part of the adventure. It's just the hook, get the players interested, Get them going, give them their goal, all that kind of stuff, and get them going on their adventure. Um, and the five room dungeon makes up what happens after they start off on their adventure. Okay, so room one is the entrance and guardian. Room two, puzzle or role-playing challenge. Room three, trick or setback. Room four, climax, confrontation, room five, reward, revelation, plot twist. Okay? Now, Understand, this is the concept for a five-room dungeon, right? A dungeon, the party can go through in one session, a single-session adventure, but that's actually not the point. The point of the five-room dungeon is that it is adaptable and can be shifted to fit any kind of story in D&D, any kind of adventure. doesn't actually have to be a dungeon delve, any kind of adventure. doesn't also have to take one session right? But this concept of these five different story beats, five different plot points within an adventure, um, are these, it's it's a a tried and true formula, um, for D&D specifically, for, for tabletop role-playing games specifically, that is interesting and, um, and, and is memorable and fun and works, okay? So let's kind of break down all of these. Room one is the entrance and guardian, right? This is, um, the first challenge that the party has to face. Um, maybe it's finding the entrance. Maybe the entrance is hidden or magical. Um, maybe it's getting the key to the entrance. Maybe it's defeating the guardian of the entrance, if, if there is one. If it's like a stone golem or two guards or whatever it is. Um, the entrance and guardian, right? That's the first point in the typical dungeon, right? This is the entrance to the dungeon, and the guardian outside the monster or monsters outside who guard the entrance to this dungeon, right? The reason not a lot of adventures before you have explored this dungeon is because of this these guardians and because of this entrance. So whether the issue is get bypassing the entrance or bypassing the guardians or maybe both, that's room one, right? That's, that's part one, I should say. Now, translating this to totally different Uh, scenario, right? We're not talking about a dungeon anymore. The entrance and guardian is something a little different, right? Maybe you're not actually going into a singular location or into a room. Rather, you're going into a region or you're um, moving into a a house or a manor, perhaps. Um, But the same concept applies is bypass the first challenge, bypassing the entrance and or guardian. The second part, or the second room, is the puzzle or role-playing challenge, right? Mo- uh, most likely, the-, the players have probably used some kind of force, perhaps, to get past room one, to get past part one, and are now faced with their second challenge. Something that tests um, something other than just their combat and fighting skills, right? This is-, this is a puzzle, something they have to solve creatively, something they have to you know, huddle together and figure out as a team. Uh, it could be a role-playing challenge. Maybe they have to convince another character to let them pass or solve a riddle or, you know, talk their way through through this area. Um, that could be the the part two. That's the second room, the puzzle role-playing challenge. Something that um, the party has to deal with that cannot just be brute force. Um, that's something that they have to think creatively on or or role-play really well on um, to be able to bypass this challenge. Um, and once again, as I'm going through these different challenges and stuff, remember these should slowly increase in difficulty and challenge um, so that the tension keeps building and tension keeps rising, okay? So this challenge should be a little bit harder than the entrance and guardian, right? In a dungeon, this could be some kind of trap, some kind of puzzle that that, that, that the players have to bypass or disable. This could be, uh, you know, if they're, maybe they're trying to infiltrate a um, let's. They're trying to infiltrate uh, in an intrigue-based campaign. A a party of royalty within this within this palace, right? Um, and they're trying to get information from one of these these royals, the, the, one of these nobles. Maybe they're trying to poison one of them. Whatever it is, but they have to get to this party. That's like the goal of the thing, right? Um, the entrance of Guardian was figuring out a way to maybe bypass the guards or beat up the guards or find a key to get their way into the palace. And now, maybe they're faced with a clerk at the desk or um, some kind of guard who notices them and questions them about what they're doing here. And they have to roleplay their way out of it or think creatively and and, and, and bypass this next challenge. Okay, So, m- once again, this doesn't necessarily have to be in a dungeon. It, it can translate to any kind of adventure part 3 or room 3 is the trick or setback. Okay? Some kind of twist, something that something that the players weren't expecting and sets them back a little bit. Okay? They can't just breeze through everything, right? That will make the rewards feel a little like unfair that, that they that they want it or um, you know, there has to be something something challenging, something that that sets them back. Now, this room, this this part is something that really has the least amount of information on it on the internet. Once again, this is a concept, the five room dungeon is a concept I just discovered recently. Uh, I haven't looked at a ton, um, but enough to kind of understand it. But this third part, this third room is actually one that I st- still don't fully understand. Um, if you're familiar with the five room dungeon, you probably understand what this is. But but basically, I, f- from my knowledge, this is something that forces the players to view the adventure in a different way, or force the players to backpedal and figure out a new way to solve this the this problem and reach their goal okay room four part four is the climax right the confrontation it's uh facing the big bad or or bypassing the final trap to get to the whatever their goal is right this is the final big climactic event within the adventure the boss fight whatever it is um this should be the most challenging right this should be where all the tension has built up to and the party finally has to use their wits and what they've learned, and their 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 tactics and their abilities to defeat this villain or to bypass this um, final guardian or final trap puzzle. This is the climax, right? The confrontation. Room four or part f- oh sorry, room five or part five is the reward or the revelation or the plot twist, right? They've defeated the big bad. They've bypassed the final guardian, and now they have come to their goal. They have. They have the maiden in their grasp, and they're ready to take her and escape the tower um, that they've just rescued her from. Um, they have the... they've defeated the orcs, the, the orc raiders, and now they, you know, have... go to collect their reward for being paid, or whatever it is, right? They, they've got their item, they find the item they're looking for. Whatever the reward is. Um, but this could also be in place to a revelation or a plot twist, right? The typical adventure just has... The reward, right? Them cashing in, um, a moment of relief where the tension is released, um, after they've, they've gone through these different, these several challenges and, and setbacks. Um, but it could also be, um, something that, uh, it is a plot twist or something that, that points to another adventure they have to go on. Uh, this isn't actually the final piece of the puzzle. Maybe they, the, the, the baddie they just defeated was actually the good guy who is enchanted or, or forced out of, out, of, out of circumstance, and now they have to figure else something else out or, or go on this next adventure. Uh, maybe they've just triggered some world-ending event, and now they have to go face off against that. It could be a plot twist or a revelation, um, but more, more than likely, it's just the reward and, and cashing in the reward and collecting the reward or, or, or you know, finding the item. Finding the, the, the money, whatever it is, that's the five room dungeon. Okay, this is something that um, is kind of a tried and true um, uh, structure uh, formula that uh, is talked about uh, a lot in kind of Dungeons Dragons community and, and by DMS. Um, and so this is something that maybe you can think about and implementing and and, and and implement into your own adventure. Okay. All right, the next thing I want to talk about are hooks. Okay, hooks are a key piece of a D&D adventure, all right? They, they grab the player's attention and draw them into the story, all right? Without a hook, there's a good chance your players won't go on this adventure and all your planning will go to waste, all right? So the question, how do you create a good hook, right? What is a good hook? Well, here's my first tip to you. Intrigue, interest, excite, okay? These are the things you want to do to your players, right? You want your players to be excited, interested, intrigued. Perhaps the event in which they are delivered the adventure is dramatic or epic. Maybe the reward offered is crafted specifically for your characters and what they want. Maybe the mystery presented before them is just extremely interesting and, and tantalizing and mysterious, right? You want to get players excited and intrigued off the bat. Okay? Appeal to the player's personality, interests, morals, or sometimes just straight greed. Sometimes that just works as well, right? For example, having a cloaked messenger stagger up to the party and hand them a bloody envelope before collapsing dead. That's super dramatic and intrigues them to open the envelope, figure out what's going on. What 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 the heck just happened? What what's in this envelope? And that probably leads them to the adventure and sets up the adventure, right? This is a hook. Right? They they want to figure out this mystery. Who is this person that just died? Who sent us this 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 message? All that kind of stuff. Right? Or maybe uh, just This is just a tried and true hook, a patron, right, offers the party uh, a, a quest and they offer a vast amount of gold for completing it, an offer just too tempting to let down. This is, you know, also a, a hook. The players want to go on this adventure, they're maybe not super intrigued or, or interested within the story itself or the adventure itself, but they are hooked in, they want, they want this money, they want to get this reward, so they're going to go on this adventure. Okay, so intrigue, interest, excite, right? That's what you want to do to your players to get them invested. Tip two, what and where, okay? You can't have your party dilly-dallying around trying to find the next part of the adventure and spend hours just looking around. What's the next part of the adventure? What the heck do we do now? Okay, the goal and location of the adventure need to be clear so the party can set off right away and know what they're getting into. Okay, this is involved in the hook. Hook the players in and give them a what and where, all right? Example, find the legendary blade in the dragon's cave. Defeat the evil mayor of Genericville to save the innocent villagers. Whatever it is, you want to define a obvious what and where so the party can immediately get started and go off on the adventure, okay? You don't want them dragging their feet. You don't want them looking around for hours, not not continuing the adventure, not getting to the next plot point, not fun for the party not fun for you who spend a lot of time building this adventure. If you give them a clear what and where they know what to do, they can go straight off in this adventure and have that fun. All right. Tip three, you want to set down the stakes. Okay. Now, sometimes it is better to hold off on the stakes for more of a twist event later on in the story. But for the most part, you want to have the stakes set in the beginning in the hook. Okay. What's on the line if they succeed or fail? What is their reward? Okay. You want to set the stakes down early. Um, in in the adventure, so so the party knows what they're getting themselves into. Now, every once in a while, there is a certain story or adventure where it's better for the stakes to be um, presented uh, later on in in the story to to uh, add more of a plot twist kind of thing. But more than likely, you want the stakes to be set straight off the bat at the beginning. Tip four, time. Okay? If the reward or stakes are not powerful enough to draw the players into your adventure, time definitely will. Um, if the players are offered a quest, but they don't have the pressure of time to complete it soon, they may like wait till later to get it done, go do something on their own, or maybe just never get around to it. If you want the party to jump on the adventure now, continue on as fast as possible, uh, a really helpful tool is the pressure of time. Okay? Um, people just respond differently when, when time. Is of the essence, right? Um, if you're saying, "Oh, hey, there's this dungeon with this treasure hoard," and you know this patron comes to the to the to the, to the party and is saying, "I want you to go investigate this dungeon and bring me back this one item from the treasure hoard," um, but all the rest of the treasure within there is is all yours, and the party might be like, "Okay, sure. I mean, that sounds okay. Treasure's cool, but there's just kind of other things we want to do or whatever, or we'll we'll wait to do this one later." But if the patron is like, there's other treasure hunters out there and they're looking for it right now and you need to get onto this as soon as possible before they reach it because you'll lose this chance they're much more likely to get onto that 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 job and, and get moving on, on that adventure, okay? Time is a very valuable tool. Now, you don't want to just always use time and use it as kind of a uh, you know, something to just always rely on. You do want to spend time creating an interesting tantalizing hook, okay? But time is something that is really, really, really helpful in in getting the players just onto the adventure, going as fast as possible, straight off the bat, okay? So that that, that was was my little section on hooks. Now I want to get into encounters, okay? Adventures are made up of encounters, right? Moments where the party must overcome challenges to move further along the quest, okay? Without encounters, adventures get boring, and the reward feels unfairly won. Players need to kill monsters outmaneuver villains, solve problems. Okay? They need to do all these things to reach their goal and complete the adventure. Now, encounters come in many forms. Combat, roleplay, chases, puzzles, whatever it is. Anytime the party is faced with a trial or challenge. Okay? Here are my tips for your encounters in an adventure. Tip one, increase difficulty. I've mentioned this before. The minion fight near the beginning of the adventure should be much easier than the boss fight at the end of it. Okay? The difficulty and threat level of the encounters needs to increase as the party moves forward, further building the tension, excuse me, and further challenging the party, okay? You want this the difficulty and the challenge and the danger level to increase and increase as they continue through the adventure. This is something I talked about earlier on in this episode, um, but that's something that's that, that, that's very important, okay? It builds the tension uh, in, in such a way that it's much more effective, okay? Tip two, be varied, Right? There are all kinds of encounters, and you don't want your adventure to feel repetitive. Force the party to be creative, or come up with new solutions to new problems. Put forward challenges that feature a different player in the party, so everyone can feel important and have their moment. All right, Yes, killing monsters is fun. Killing monsters is awesome. But there is so much more that you can do, so much other options of encounters that you can add to spice up the adventure, make it unique, and force the players to be creative and think. Okay, And what I just mentioned about... like. Um, putting forward different challenges that feature a, a certain skill set um, that one character in the party has or specializes in is a really good way to make every 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 player in, in your playgroup feel special, Have give their character a moment to shine. Um, you know, if, if there's a moment in the adventure and the challenge is just like kind of sneak past these guards and disable a trap, not everyone in the party can do that or or or, or get that done good. But there's one person maybe who's playing the rogue. And they, they specialize in that. That's what their class is about. That's what they do. And they can have that moment um, of feeling special and feeling use, useful and helpful by using their specialties and bypassing it and bypassing this challenge and helping the party out. Right? So, so you want to make sure that you can present different challenges so that everyone has a chance to come out and shine. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean every adventure has to have a moment for every single person in the party, but this is something you want to keep in mind. Okay. Present various kinds of challenges. And allow uh, some of these challenges to be catered to a certain character um, so that character and that player has a time to shine. All right? Tip three, remember exploration. Okay? Encounters and challenges are cool and fun and exciting and they help advance the story but you don't want to immediately hop from encounter to encounter. Okay? Exploration and discovery is an integral part of D&D like what I talked about and this downtime is, is much needed to help release tension and provide interesting moments that otherwise can't be found in an encounter. Okay? If the party doesn't have a combat encounter on the road between towns on their way to the next part of the quest, it doesn't mean you should bypass over these aspects. Right? Run the travel, encourage roleplay, describe the terrain, Right, allow these moments of respite and exploration and, and moments for them to learn more about your world and for you to embellish your world more and, and, and the other characters. Okay, your adventure doesn't just have to be hopping from encounter to encounter, face that challenge, now that challenge, now that challenge, now that challenge, all the way to get to the quest. You, you need this. You do need various challenges increasing in difficulty um, for the party to bypass as they make their way to their goal. But you also want these moments of exploration and respite for tension to be released and for your players to have some more agency and learn more about just the world and, and the characters and all that kind of stuff. All right. So even though encounters are awesome and are integral to adventures, I want you guys to have to remember exploration, okay? Don't don't ever discount exploration. All right, before we close this episode, I want to talk about twists real quick. All right, twists are a very useful tool in your DMing toolbox, okay? They provide exciting, memorable moments in your campaign, and they just feel so satisfying to pull off as a DM, all right? Going against expectations and shocking your players is a real treat. It really is. But something that you should be using sparingly okay too much twist twist too often um all that kind of stuff makes twists lose their effect right if if every single adventure there's a twist at the end or a twist in the middle or all that kind of thing every single adventure the party goes on the twists are going to lose their effect real quick the players aren't going to be shocked by it they're not going to be surprised they're not going to be intrigued if twists happen all the time in in the story, right? Um, twists are one of those things that are most effective when they're used rarely. Okay? They um, they they're, they're very effective when the the party is not expecting it, and and that's that's the whole point of it, right? It goes against what they're expecting, it goes against expectations. But if you use twists too often, um, then it loses its effect. So twists can be really cool and really awesome, and feel really satisfying to pull off as a DM. But you want to make sure you're using them sparingly. Also. Twists can also be really effective if there are those that can be, solv- that can be solved by the players, okay? If, if you've set things up and set down little mysteries and, and secrets and seeds throughout the whole adventure, hinting at the twist that's going to come at the end, and when it finally does come, it's easier for the players to understand it and enjoy it and not feel totally cheated. Definitely have something like the Deuce Ex Machina or something like that, right? Also, players can feel super awesome if they they explore these different seeds and such and they discover this plot twist before it really really comes and they figure that out. That's really cool for the players and it makes them feel really good and you shouldn't discount that. I, I know that uh, it, as a DM you want to pull off this twist and shock and surprise your players, but this isn't about you. Remember, this is an experience for everyone at the table, everyone having fun. And if one of your players figures this out and figures out this mystery and, and solves the twist before it happens. That's awesome. Reward them for that. They should feel good about that and for figuring that out. And that's something that's sometimes just as cool as dropping the twist on the players. Okay? So the most effective ones are ones that the players could have actually been able to solve and see coming. Um, Doesn't mean every time they will. But it just feels that much more effective and realistic if looking back they're like, Oh yeah, this twist actually makes sense. It's not just out of the blue randomness or a deuce ex machina or anything. These things were set down throughout the adventure. And so this makes sense. And so it's that much more effective. Okay. And remember, keep player agency, right? Don't force them into anything. All right. This is, once again, a, uh, a story for everyone at the table. Everyone has a say in, in what happens in the adventure and what happens in the story. And, and all everyone makes their choices that should impact the story effectively. All right. So remember to, to allow the player's agency don't force them into anything. Don't railroad them into anything. Once again, you don't want them to be running around, dilly-dallying, doing nothing in your campaign, okay? Using things like the pressure of time and really interesting plot hooks and stuff can get them moving on the adventure and going down what you've planned, and that's fine. But you want to make sure you don't completely control them and force them into this spot and like, ooh, and then you pull the twist off on them, and it doesn't really feel like anything crazy because it's so obvious that you just kind of force them into the situation, Okay? understand i know you're doing lots of planning for this adventure and all that kind of stuff but you have to be okay with scrapping some of it and throwing some of it out the window um, to allow the players to have their own agency and make their own choices and impact the story in their own way and if you release that and understand that then you can have a lot of fun as well with that aspect of the game you can enjoy uh the players surprising you and shocking you with the choices and the things that they do and, and having to to improve your imp- improv skills and all that kind of stuff, dealing with the situation. It can be a lot of fun for everyone at the table if you allow your player's agency. Um, once again, you have these tools to get them on an adventure and railroad real- them pretty well, um, and there's nothing wrong with those tools, but you want to make sure you also remember about player agency and allowing them to do the things that they want to do, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I know this was kind of a long one, um, but there's just so much to talk about. I mean, there's so many other aspects of an adventure that I wasn't even able to touch on here. Um, And I'm definitely going to be talking about more later on in the podcast. Um, But hopefully this was helpful um, for you guys. Definitely new Dungeon Masters who are still figuring out adventures and how they work and how to build them. Um, hopefully you guys learned something from this. Hopefully I was hopeful, you know, I was able to help help, help you guys out. Um, this one was a lot of fun for me. Um, this is something that I've worked on a lot, right? I've been a dungeon master for years, and I've learned so much about building campaigns and building adventures, and being able to share with you guys some of the things that I've learned and, and some of the things that I've picked up to, to ease your your guys' play and, and help you guys out as dungeon masters. Um, that that that's really awesome for me to be able to help you guys out with that. Um, once again, if you guys want to keep up with the podcast, uh, you know, understand all the things that are going on, there's so many cool things that we're working on here, um, courses, and, and all these other things that are beyond the podcast here at D20 Academy, if you want to keep up with that, have a say in that, uh, talk about the podcast, or, you know, review it, connect with us, um, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at D20 underscore Academy uh, to get all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of really cool, exciting things that we're doing here at D20 Academy. I can't wait for all you guys to be able to see all of them, but if you want to get in there, if you want to have your own say, if you want to, uh, have your voice heard, uh, and all that kind of stuff, I totally welcome that. I want to connect with you guys. I want to hear from you guys. Um, so go ahead and follow the Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. Remember the D20 Council is tomorrow, the Instagram live event at 2 PM Hawaiian standard time. Um, I hope, hopefully I can see all you guys there. Um, but thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys again next week.